No Purpose Without Love is a podcast dedicated to helping you find purpose through the relentless pursuit of God's love. The unfortunate reality is that we are born into a world that does not know God. Since God is synonymous with love, to be without God is to be without love. This podcast aims to bring light to the dark areas of your life so that you gain a deeper connection with love as a person, more affectionately known as Jesus. Jesus spoke often about the kingdom of God, and in the kingdom, love is the why behind everything that exists, including our purpose. I am your host, Dave Garesso, and my hope and prayer is that you will experience the overwhelming love of God so powerfully that you will become love to a world that is still very much without love. God has given me the ability to provide the spark, but he wants to fan into flames the purpose that he has for you, which always leaves a trail of breadcrumbs leading right back to our Father and Creator. Please remember to follow this podcast to continue receiving notifications about new episodes as they're released. Now let's get fired up. Hello and welcome to the No Purpose Without Love podcast. I am your host, Dave Garesso, where we learn to lead well, live on purpose, and honor God with your life. Today, I have with me Mr. Rob Montgomery, our guest today. He is currently the executive director of Loving Culture Ministries. Rob now helps churches build loving, collaborative cultures. Loving Culture helps churches become more effective in their ministry, discipleship, and evangelism by deploying New Testament blueprints to the church and ritualizing them. Rob teaches the importance of effective, positive communication and is working to counter the me-first environment so prevalent in society today. He has been called to full-time missionary work to build collaborative cultures within the church, making it a place where everyone wants to smile. Rob is serving on the evangelism committee for the Western PA United Methodist Annual Conference, and he's also the member of also the National Operations Director for Church Army USA. Welcome to the show, Rob. It's good to have you. Thank you for having me. And so glad to have you. So why don't you just kind of open up today by telling us the story of how you got to where you are and how Loving Culture Ministries got started. Sure. Uh, so I'll try to do this briefly and not spend the next hour doing that story. Um, I was in the business world for almost 40 years. Uh, leading teams, creating high-performing um, work groups um, to fulfill individual goals and also corporate goals. Uh, very passionate about supporting people and providing resources to teams to allow them to succeed. <clears throat> um, my career took a change um, where um, I heard a calling to leave the business world and take my skill set uh, to the church. I feel that the church is in um, great need to be more effective in making disciples of Christ. And where that starts is having a robust, positive culture within that church. Many churches have strategic plans. They will sit around and they'll debate and they'll meet for months on end or, or even longer to create a strategic plan for their church. However, if you do not have the correct environment, the correct culture, that strategic plan will die. And Peter Drucker, a, a famous um, a management consultant, uh, was quoted once that the uh, culture of an organization is the environment where the strategic plan lives or dies. 
And so while you can have a very effective strategic plan, if you don't have an effective culture, a positive culture, a loving culture, that strategic plan is not going to be successful. So taking that business experience um, and looking at management um, skill sets, um, I found that uh, most of these skill sets are biblically based, which is why they work so well, uh, because they are true. And by taking these um, biblical truths on how we should manage others, how we should serve others, how we should collaborate with others, and reminding current managers and current leaders of churches and, and congregations in churches, reminding them of these skill sets, I think we can be more effective in um, our Christianity and more effective in making disciples of others. So I was called to this ministry in uh, 2022 uh, for my own ministry and have been um, working with churches, working with organizations to bring these um, New Testament blueprints, as I call them, um, although there's Old Testament lessons as well, um, to the church to help them be more effective in making disciples. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love, too, what you do. I love the conversations we've already had. Rob has already been a wealth of information to me in terms of how to build a loving culture. And I think, you know, even outside of churches, some of the principles that you talk about are applicable for from an individual to a business organization to a church or anywhere else in the world, actually. So because they're kind of universal principles. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And I have been... Um, invited to talk to several business groups and I give them these these uh, biblical principles and they they directly apply to any industry out there absolutely so you talked about just being a follower of Christ what what how has that impacted your journey so far just being a follower of Christ so as a follower of Christ um, my motivator is my response to grace right God gave us his son uh, to free us from sin, from free us from um, the uh, death of creation. And I needed to have a response to that grace. And my response is this creation of this ministry to uh, further the kingdom and make every difference I can make in uh, helping others make more disciples of Christ. Awesome. Yeah, beautiful. Um, you kind of already talked about this, Rob, but when we go back to culture, why do you, you know, what are some other reasons you feel that culture is so important in our world today? Well, it, it gets back to mindset, right? What, what's between your ears? What, what um, perspective do you bring to the table? What attitude do you bring to the table? And if you bring a, um, a polarized attitude, if you bring a... Um, confrontational attitude or a attitude that my idea is the best idea uh, and we're going to go with my idea first, me, me first, right? If we're going to do that, um, then um, a collaborative culture can't happen. And if you don't have a collaborative culture, then you can't execute on the plan. You can't execute on, on achieving goals of the organization if everybody is doing it their way. Uh, it has to be a collaborative um, loving culture to um, meet the goals of the organization. Talk a little bit more about the me first environment part. <laughs> what does sure. That mean? Well, I you know it's it um, it's been happening for a long time. Um, 
a very long time. This is not necessarily a new problem. This is not a social media problem. This is not a um, United States problem. Uh, if you go back to Proverbs 3,000 years ago, um, the uh, proverb says that the wise listen to others, but the foolish think their own way is right. So this is not new. This has been around for thousands of years. And so um, because of that, um, we have gotten to a point when people ignore that and they think their own idea is right, that they're willing to forego relationships because they feel that there's only one truth and that's the truth that they have and that it has to be their way. Uh, and you find people um, disagreeing over things and social media has in some ways accelerated it hasn't created it, but accelerated it where there's no filters on social media. So if somebody has an opinion out there, as soon as you post that opinion, you're going to find many people that disagree with that opinion. And uh, rather than asking questions, rather than learning to understand your position, they're quick to judge you on your position and discount you on your position. Um, one of the things that I teach um, is called listen generously. And it comes from James in the New Testament when he talks about be quick to listen and slow to speak. Um, if we would listen to one another, uh, listen to understand, not listen to judge, <clears throat> we'd be much better off. Um, we don't have to agree on everything. We don't have to agree on politics. We don't have to agree on social justice. We don't have to agree on, on so many different things out in the world. We can have our own opinions, but we need to recognize that there are going to be different opinions to our own, and we need to ask questions and understand why that person feels differently than they do. And then they need to listen to what our opinion is. If then, after we both understand what each other's opinion is, we can certainly try to persuade that person to see it our way. Um, but if we don't, that's okay. Um, we can set that difference aside and work on our commonalities and work on serving the community and serving our church and serving God primarily. Uh, the differences shouldn't separate us from that task. Yeah, the, the power of listening is incredible. And just to share this quick story, Rob, years ago where I used to work, I had a habit of just walking by people and just saying, hey, how's it going? And then listening to their response and after some time went by, a particular person came up to me in the hallway and he said, you know what I love about you, Dave? I said, what's that? He says, every time you, you ask, how's it going? You actually stop to listen to the response. And I think that was the time that just stuck with me, right? Because that was the time I realized how just being a listening ear can impact a person's life and day. Like, that speaks louder than, than many other things. If people don't stop and listen, they just say the words and they, they don't even slow down their gait, right? They just keep walking by. Um, I had an experience earlier this month where I went on a mission trip to Zimbabwe and everybody that I encountered there said, "How? Are, uh, good morning, good afternoon, how are you doing? And that was it. They were trained to say that, but they were not trained to listen. And I would stop and respond to that and it really... <laughs> confuse them like wait a minute this person actually heard what i said and is actually giving me an answer that makes sense um and um it it got a smile on their face right hey this person 
did actually listen to what I what my question was and is honestly answering that question. So um, most people have that habit of how's it going, but they they don't really care how it's going. <laughs> they just have to they have the words to say. That's what they were trained to say, and that's their habit, and they say it, but they don't listen. Yeah, most of the time, I found that hi, how's it going really just translates to hi. Right. <laughs> right. So. Aside from listening, what else shapes culture, Rob? Culture is, and I, I said it before, it's a mindset, right? Um, if you show up in a team, in a congregation, uh, in your community, in your family, and you show up to truly serve and have the attitude is, how can I support this organization? How can I give back to this organization? How can I... Um, make a difference today rather than saying, hey, um, what can I take from this organization? What is this experience going to benefit me? What's my ROI, right? Um, if we come with that attitude, it's going to be me first. But if we come with the attitude is how can I make a difference today in this situation, this conversation, this meeting, this whatever it is, how can I make a difference today, a positive difference today, that will permeate through the organization and permeate through the culture and people will say hey you know that's a much better way to show up to these meetings or that's a much better way to show up to church or that's a much better way to show up to a family meal than you know it's all about me type of thing today mm -hmm. so it's a whole and for many people it's a paradigm shift in in thought process uh, rather than showing up what's my roi to this event showing up to say how can I make a difference? And there may not be a ROI in my case, but I may be able to make a difference for somebody else. Sounds like an others first environment. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> kind of the antithesis of me first. Exactly. 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 And and you look at the New Testament and Christ gave us his model. The disciples gave us his model. Uh, the disciples gave up everything. Christ gave up his life. They didn't show up to say, Hey, you know, is this going to get him promoted? Am I going to become the next Pharisees? Am I going to have a higher position in the church? Am I going to have um, some kind of personal benefit? No, they gave up everything. They walked away from their families, their their jobs, their careers, their income to serve others, and that's the example we have now. For me, fortunately, I don't have to give up as much as the disciples did to do my work, but that's that's what they did and at the time and in the place and um, there are some people in this world that do do that there are people that give up everything to serve god and serve the kingdom um, we don't all have to do that but we do have to have that attitude that we are here to make a difference for somebody else um to, just to add on to some of the things too that define culture. I think, you know, man, John Maxwell, right? I love John <laughs> Maxwell. He talks about behaviors, symbols, and processes, I believe are like the three major things that he talks about that define culture. And behavior is sort of like what you do, how you interact with people and the things around you, the environment around you. Uh, the symbols are sort of, you know, what kind of car you drive, you know, how do you carry yourself? Are you wearing a suit or a sweater or whatever, right? And then the process sort of how do you get things done, right? And all these things are sort of working together. And it, it also makes me think, I've been watching the show The Chosen, 
uh, uh-huh. again a second time with my kids. And it's amazing the things that you catch when you watch a TV show the second time versus the first time around. But there's a, an episode where the you, you probably are familiar with that parable that Jesus tells about the person who was beat up on the side of the road and the good Samaritan came and mm-hmm. helped yeah. him and put him up in the hotel. But in this episode, uh, they, they, they interact with the guy who actually beat up the person on the side of the road. And Jesus ultimately brings his apostles in and they help to take care of his fields and care for him and, and really just sort of bless him in this powerful way. And then they sit down with this guy and he's kind of like, I have nothing to give you. I'm this horrible person. I've done these horrible things. He eventually opens up and shares what he did, not even knowing that he was speaking to Jesus. The apostles are upset because they're Jews and they had issues with the Samaritans at the time. And so there's all this friction and frustration in the whole group. But Jesus ends up exposing himself and who he is to this man and sharing and showing love in a magnificent way. And the apostles are sitting behind him watching this interaction happen. And you can literally see the tears and the the heart shifting and changing. And I'm sitting here watching this too. And it's happening to me as if I'm there in the moment. And it's just a beautiful picture of how we look at, you know, we use these little business terms like process symbols, behaviors, but that's what it looks like in action when we show up differently than what pretty much anyone in there in that guy's situation would ever expect. It's just, it's beautiful to see that happen when a leader shows up that way. And it's powerful. And when the leader shows up that way, um, it, it does permeate through the organization. Uh, some people say their culture is their slogan on the wall or their picture or their brand symbol or something like that. But the culture is actually the behavior that shows up in the everyday actions of the people. That's the true culture of an organization. What do they do on Mondays, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday when they're not in church? Or what do they do when they're at, well, on the weekends when they're away from work? Do they still behave the same way? And um, as Christians, this culture needs to be 24-7, right? Um, it can't be just on Sunday mornings and then Monday morning we can blow through stop signs and cut people off and be rude and, and speak negatively to people. It does need to have that mindset where it is permeated through your entire experience. And when someone thinks about David, what do they think, think about David? Well, they think about your brand and your brand is a result of your internal culture of what, how you made them feel, right? Uh, Maya Angelou has a famous quote, you know, people will forget what you say, people forget what you do, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. And so your brand is how you make people feel and your brand is derived from your internal culture. And when we have that that brand, that culture of serving others and and you're here to make a difference for somebody else, then that is how you make people feel. And it's like, hey, I want to do the same thing to people that I know, yeah. and it permeates through the culture. Yeah, I, I remember years ago just not understanding those principles, Rob, and I, I, I started practicing that. I started focusing on others rather than myself, and it changed my life. To be entirely honest, I, I haven't been the same since. Because sure. Once you get you catch wind of what it's like to to not just experience on the receiving end a loving culture, but to be a person that's facilitating that and being a participant of a loving culture as a leader, I feel in many ways it's actually more powerful even 
than being on the receiving end because it ends up coming back to you anyway. That's the absolutely, absolutely. Same thing with gratitude, right? Um, when you show gratitude, you receive benefits equal to, if not greater than, the person that you showed gratitude to. Um, gratitude um, is something that we should practice much more often. Saying thank you, recognizing good deeds, recognizing somebody helping. Um, and showing gratitude. And, and when we do that on a regular basis, we're actually healthier. It's a scientific fact that our bodies are healthier when we have this attitude of being of showing gratitude all the time. We have less chance of stroke, less chance of heart attacks, lower blood pressure, all because of gratitude. And when you demonstrate that, when you practice that on an everyday basis, um, not only do you give good feelings to other people you actually help yourself absolutely and i can honestly say too rob i've ex i've done these exercises where they practice gratitude and i have felt awful and then an hour later after just expressing gratitude intentionally complete peace just absolute right. complete peace so it's there's almost like this scientific physiological there is the science has proven that this you know the act that you know when you look at paul when he wrote his letters in the new testament he starts all of them off we thank you for the work you've done he shows gratitude in his letters to the churches that he's writing to yeah. he demonstrates the importance of showing gratitude yeah. and today we can't even send a text or an email to say thank you to somebody yeah. And, right. And what's crazy too, Rob, is he's even bringing difficult messages like the letter to the Galatians. And he's leading with thank you, even yes. though it's about to be a difficult message. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, the church in Jerusalem sent Barnabas to Antioch to say thank you. These guys walked hundreds of miles to say thank you. And we have it so much easier to say thank you. We need to practice that much more often. Um, and show that gratitude. And again, that comes from this this, this uh, serving culture mindset when you're here to make a difference for somebody else. And gratitude is a, a natural offshoot of that. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up, Rob. Uh, so, and then one thing I wanted to say before I move to the next thing is I love the Maya Angelou quote, but another one of my favorites is Teddy Roosevelt. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely that's the second one on my list too so um and and that is that's where we want to get with these these loving cultures right is to show how people how much we care and then they're gonna they're gonna listen to us and they're going to want to join us and they're going to want to be a part of this culture when people know how much they care so you're absolutely right so let's uh, change a little bit. What what are some of the indicators of a culture that's struggling? Um, uh, poor communication. Uh, right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing. Um, silos, when different parts of the organization are doing their part, but not involving the rest of the organization. So when you don't have cross-collaboration, uh, you see some differences. Um, when you... Um, have people in the organization that are not informed about the overall goals of the overall purpose of the organization and this is business or this is church right um, what is the church's you know mission now many churches will have a mission statement but one does everybody in the congregation know that mission statement and number two do they act on that mission statement on a daily basis when they're outside the church building right mm -hmm. um 
you will see a dysfunctional culture when the group is polarized um, over disagreements, over issues, over policies, over um, all of the things that, that um, you know, the world throws at us to divide us. Um, when we are divided, uh, we cannot be effective. And so when a group is divided, when you have visible polarity, you'll see a breakdown in the culture. Um, that does not mean everybody agrees. Everybody can disagree. But when you're polarized over the disagreement, that's where the problems happen. Yeah. You can still be in unity even though you don't see eye to eye on everything. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah so, I like one football team. You like a different football team. Right, right. We can still get on a call together. It's okay. That's right. It is possible. <laughs> I've seen it work. Yeah, exactly. So what are um, what are some steps for leaders that might be out there listening to this or watching this right now? What are some steps they can take if maybe you read off that list of, of struggling culture and like, yeah, I feel like I, I got some work that I need to do. What are some immediate steps that they can take to start moving in the right direction? <clears throat> On their own, they can certainly um, take a step back, um, talk to other leaders in their organization and truly listen to them. Um, ask other people in their congregation what their goals are and ask them how they can provide resources for the individuals to reach their goals. Uh, I have found over the last 45 years that if I empower people to accomplish their goals, uh, if I provide resources, if I provide motivation, if I provide support, when people achieve their goals, most likely the organization can reach its goal. And so um, rather than uh, micromanaging or um, setting down a policy, here's what we're going to do, actually involve the other leaders in the organization to say, how can we do this as a collective? Where do you see our deficiencies? And let's work together as a team to make sure each individual achieves their own goals. And if you do that, uh, you're much more likely to succeed. That comes back to that collaborative approach again. <laughs> exactly. We're much better as a, as a group. I mean, the church was um, set up in Acts to be a collection, a collaboration, a community. It wasn't designed to be individuals, right? Um, when, when the churches were formed in people's living rooms, they brought in people from various backgrounds, various cultures, um, different sets of rules, different sets of laws. You had, you know, Egyptians and Sumerians and Gentiles and Jews all sitting in somebody's living room worshiping God. And they set aside those massive differences that they've been fighting over for thousands of years, right? Um, and they set aside those differences and came together as a group and said, how can we serve our community? How can we serve one another? How can we live together? And how can we worship God together? And if we take that model and understand the power of community, it, you know, even told, said to us, you know, when two or more are gathered, you know, God will be there. So we don't, we can't do it on our own. We can't do it as individuals. We have to do it as a team. We have to do it as a group. And you know the examples are laid out for us if we if we look at them from a perspective of leadership and service um it's it's very clear what those instructions are and what the examples were of how Jesus taught his disciples how he taught the crowds how he worked together as that group um to solve problems and to um communicate his message
Yeah, and you know, it makes me think, Rob, too, that the power of community, even on an individual, not necessarily just on an organizational level. Me personally, I'm going through a time in my life where I'm really learning how much I have not trusted the community that God has placed in my life. And that starts with in my home mm -hmm. and now to extended friends, our family and close friends. It's amazing what happens when you actually allow them to love you, that you allow that process of community to actually take hold in your life. You, you begin to experience peace and love in a way that you've never experienced it before. And I have to admit, I've actually sat in a meeting with my, my a boss before who treated me with such kindness that I walked away in tears. I don't think he knew that, but I walked away in tears because I had never been treated so kind before. It just overwhelmed me with emotion, right? Even as a grown man, which in our culture sometimes is considered kind of weird, but it was just that touching. So, uh, this idea of community, it's there, there's a depth, a level of depth to it that it, it's hard to experience it unless you allow it to come into your life. Right. And that means you have to be vulnerable. Correct. Uh, you yeah. have to share your challenges. You can't be Superman or Superwoman, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. You can't be the one, I've got this, I can solve any problem, I can do everything on my own, I don't need your help. Mm -hmm. um, but to step back and say, hey, I need some help with this. I can't solve this problem myself. I can't um, wrap my head around this. I can't do this on my own and be vulnerable to ask for help and let other people know what your needs are. And then they surround you in love. And, you know, many times they provide the resources to get through that challenge. Um, but when you try to do it yourself, um, that's when you can run into problems. Right. So that's a good segue into the next thing, right? Compassion, right? Just talking about compassion real quick. When we talk about loving culture, compassion is a huge part of it. And part of compassion is how we speak to others. Not just the behavior in general, but how we speak to each other positively can have a huge impact on another person's life. So talk to us a little more, Rob, on what does it mean to speak positively and how that relates to compassion and loving culture? It, it's a key component. Um, I had the privilege of being a part of a collaborative book called The Impact of One Voice, uh, which was published on Amazon and we made the bestseller list. And my chapter is entitled Sticks and Stones. And you've heard the, the nursery rhyme, sticks and stones will break my bones, the words will never hurt me. That's a lie, right? Stick, uh, sticks and stones, yes, they will break your bones, but your bones will heal in six months or a year. Those negative words can stay with you the rest of your life. And if we use negative words when we're speaking to other people, we are spreading hurt um, and we are um, never going to accomplish what we're trying to do with, with a loving culture. Um, a negative speech typically comes from fear. If we disagree on something and you have a very powerful argument and I am fearful of that argument, the easiest way for me to combat that difference of opinion is use negative words, right? If you're acting a certain way and I don't want you to act that certain way and I become fearful, it's easy to use negative words. But what we need to practice on a regular basis is how can we communicate using positive words, still disagreeing perhaps, but using positive words to um, have that compassion come out. Um, I found a, a tool uh, many years ago called Feel, Felt, Found. 
And with Feel Felt Found, I was able to communicate to people that had a difference of opinion, but allowing them to understand that they were being heard, that they were being understood, while I was trying to convince them of changing a behavior or changing something. So with Feel Felt Found, I understand how you feel. Having some empathy, right? Having some compassion to say, I understand how you feel, right? Um, many have found, um, uh, or many have felt the same way, right? So I, I understand how you feel. Many others have felt the same way. But I have found that if you do this, this, and this, it will lead to a positive outcome. So by using that feel, felt, found tool, um, it, it allows you to listen to the person's uh, problem, put the words back in their, their head that you have listened to what they said. You didn't totally dismiss their argument. You didn't dismiss their, their point of view. You understand how they feel, truly, all right? Um, and um, validating that, that other people have felt the same way. You're not alone. You're not totally crazy for feeling that way. Others have felt the same way. Um, but in my experience, I've found that this, this, and this has happened. So um, compassion allows a leader to um, lead their team without um, making the team feel that they have not been heard, that they are part of the solution. They're part of the conversation. Um, they are part of the decision-making process. The leader ultimately is going to make that decision, but if everybody has been heard and they have felt they've been heard, they're going to be on board with that decision, even if it was different than what they expected, because they were heard. Yeah, right. And and the leader showed compassion to say, instead of saying, you know, you're an idiot, that's a stupid idea, say, tell me more about that deal. Now, what would happen here? What would happen here? What would happen here? In some cases, the employee says, oh, or the congregation person or whoever say oh you know if i think it all the way through it's not going to work let me go back to your idea tell me more about your idea and at the end of the day everybody says hey let's pick the best idea we have in the room that's been the most thought out and it may be the leader's idea it may not be the leader's idea but if you have that um, perspective of compassion and empathy and putting yourself in the other person's shoes um, then you can come up with the best solution possible, whether it's yours or somebody else's. Yeah, that's good, Rob. And you really hit on a subject that's very sensitive and <laughs> something I'm pretty passionate about there. Um, years ago, Rob, I was probably one of the most insensitive guys with my words, and I used the sticks and stones mentality. And, and I, the reason I want to share this with the listeners right, is because there's an element of compassion that comes with the people that we're dealing with that are struggling in this area right now, because I was one of them, right? And in some ways, the people close to me, closest to me, I'm still dealing with the aftermath a couple of decades later from comments that I had made way back then when I used to just say what I said. And I've been told by people at work, by my family, Dave, you intimidate people. I've pushed my family away. I've darn near ruined my marriage with my big mouth and some of the hurtful things I've said. But here's, here's the thing. When I was young, some of the most awful things were said to me. Mm -hmm. And as a result of, of all that pain that was caused to my heart, I started saying the only way, this was an internal conversation I had with myself, the only way that I will ever be able to cope with the pain 
is if I turn off the switch in my mind and just look at them purely as words. And that's where I started developing this idea that sticks and stones, right? That words can never hurt me, right? Unless <laughs> I allow them to. But then sure. I started seeing what my words were doing to others. And it, it hurt people that I loved. And that was enough to start changing me. And then enters Jesus Christ, right? Right, right, also, right. Where I started learning things like be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. And all of a sudden, my world changed. And I started seeing the error of that thought process. But showing compassion to the person who's even struggling today that someone watching or listening to this might be experiencing right now, think about what they may have even gone through that got them to that place. And there's an element of compassion in that, too. And it's a journey process. And that's why it's so important to speak positive to our younger generation today, um, because they are going to be the future. And some of them will not be able to turn off those words. Some will be continuously hurt by those words decades from now. And in many cases, they will cope with that by perpetuating the negative words to the next generation. Yes. Right? Um, it's not easy. When you're in the heat of emotions, um, the the um the uh, you know the the genetic coding in us of flight or fight right uh kicks in and you want to fight back or you want to run away and you know that's been in our genetic code for for thousands of years um but and and i slip from time to time and use negative words and and it it happens i'm not perfect but going back and then asking for forgiveness is important as well um, and trying to, on a regular daily basis, use positive words whenever possible and um, empower people to use positive words around you. And those that cannot cope with negative words, that can't turn it off, don't have to face them because they're surrounded by positivity. Yeah, that's good. Thanks for sharing that. So as we begin to wrap up, Rob, what is sort of your heart's cry? Like, what is it that you want the listeners to hear? as we sum all this up. Slow down. Uh, listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling you that you should be working on, uh, that you should be um, involving yourself with. Um, this past two years with my ministry has taken me in directions I never had planned for. Uh, it was not on my radar. It was not on my timeline. Um, but um, I have been able to fulfill my personal goal of making a difference in somebody else's life every day. And, um, but when we're too busy and we're too focused on our to-do list or too focused on our careers, we're too focused on um, other things, we don't listen to what our opportunities are. And our opportunities are right in front of us every day. If we slow down and listen, um, be quiet, take some time to say, you know, how can I make a difference today? Um, even to one person or one, uh, um, one situation, um, and come from that attitude, I think, um, think that'll make a big difference in our culture. That's so good, Rob. <laughs> Experiencing it in real life right now. <laughs> and, and I have to say, Rob, from every interaction we've had, I've walked away feeling better than, than when we started. So I feel like wonderful when you say you want to speak positivity, positivity over someone's life every day, I can say from my own experience, that's that's been my experience so far. So that's so, my goal every day. Sometimes I, I don't do as well as other days, but that is my intention every day. So that's awesome. 
So next question, um, and I got one more after this. If you could go back and talk to your 20-year-old version of yourself, what would you say? Um, I did not practice effective time management. Um, I was extremely dedicated to my career and my job, um, and I did not spend as much time with my family as I should have um, and missed some opportunities and... Um, cultivated some poor relationships. Um, and um, so I would say to my 20-year-old self, uh, work is work, but there needs to be a boundary and it needs to be shut off uh, so you can spend time with people you love. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, I almost want to have you come back one day, Rod, and we can do a whole episode <laughs> on just that subject. I would say the same thing to my 20-year-old self. So, and I feel like I'm just now coming into that realization. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm learning it every day now. And, you know, that was a long time ago. So, yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. And then finally, you know, how can our listeners reach you and for what specific services? Sure. So, um, the best place is probably my website, uh, which is www.lovingcultureministries.com. Um, and, uh, you can contact me there, uh, through email or a phone call. Um, I would love to talk to you about, um, building collaborative cultures, building a positive brand, um, leadership development. Um, all of those things come together for me in the same package. Um, and, uh, we can certainly, um, have a conversation and see, how different gifts that I've been given may be able to help you uh, maximize the gifts that you've been given. Excellent. And I will make sure that your links are posted in the description of this podcast episode. And Rob, I just want to express with extreme gratitude <laughs> that you that you were able to uh, make time to come and be on the show with me today. I always love hearing your wisdom. This has been super encouraging to me. So thank you for coming. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. All right. And for the rest of you, if this has been encouraging to you, remember to follow or subscribe to the podcast. And as always, remember to lead well, live on purpose, and honor God with your life. Thanks again, Rob. Thank you, sir. Thank you once again for listening and supporting the No Purpose Without Love podcast. If you like what you've been hearing, please remember to follow this podcast to continue receiving notifications about new upcoming episodes. For more information about how to start your own purpose-filled journey or to get in touch with me, you can start my online course by going to courses.beaconleaders.com or you can email me at info at beaconleaders.com. You can also visit my website at www.davidegoresso.com. I will post these links and others in the description section of each episode as well. So until next time, remember to lead well, live on purpose, and honor God with your life.